0: Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September twenty second, two 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I am your host today on this it's raining today. It may not be the day we air, but uh, we're here with Kevin Farrell, our producer. Kevin, I always appreciate you. My guest today is Bob May. Bob May has written a book. I would call it of short stories. Bob, how would you? What would
1: you call it? That's a good thing to call it. And thank you for having me on, Kevin and Malcolm. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a series of uh, events and uh, occurrences that took place in a small town in East Mississippi with my ninety. 90- plus-year-old dad. For the last seven years, I've had the opportunity to do a little caregiving to Mm -hmm. him after my mother passed away. And we have in that mix a 44-year-old Down syndrome man, Brian. He is my son. And a 16-year-old Yorkie puppy. And we're back at the old family home. And these are uh, stories that happened uh, pretty much uh, the way I tell them in the book. So did you grow up in Mississippi? I grew up in Newton, Mississippi, East Mississippi between Meridian and Jackson. My dad was the uh, eye doctor in Newton for about 55 years. Yeah. And all five of us children, I'm the eldest, Bob, Bonnie, Beverly, Bill, and Brooks, <laughs> uh, uh, are all four-eyed freaks. My mom and dad never wore glasses. Huh? It's crazy. But all of you do. In fact, dad will turn 97 in. Two months, and he doesn't take a pill. Good for him. So you've been doing the shows uh, Kevin was talking about earlier on Medicare and all that. He, he just doesn't phase him. So you grew
0: up in Mississippi, and you obviously went away because I, I know you spent a bunch of time in New Orleans.
1: I have spent time in New Orleans and other cities. I, I got a little little time put in and, in Boston, Chicago, short stint in New York, Dallas and Houston mostly. hmm and of late uh, New Orleans in the radio business, the commercial side of it, uh-huh. played every kind of song and swept every kind of floor and uh, and uh, j- just got up every day going, wow, they pay me to do this. That's great.
0: And at some point, uh, I take it from reading uh, the materials here that you, you have retired from the from the radio biz and come back
1: home to care for all these people and loved ones. And uh, I never thought I'd have to do that. No, I I don't know. There's about 38 million baby boomers, I'm told, that are actively participating in the care of a mom or a dad. And I don't think any of us uh, ever really cognizantly realized we would end up doing that in our life. And I, I, I'm sure my kids don't expect to do it for me, but I hope they will. But anyway, uh, Dad has endured uh, eight years without his wife, my mother, Chloe. She was uh, 88 when she passed, and 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 a, and a dynamic, wonderful lady. And uh, I'm proud to say he's weathered the storm. But I told I tell a lot about the grief issues in my book, which is called "Have Fun, Damn It." <laughs> <laughs> and I run into all kinds of people that have comments about the name. Uh, some hard shell type Baptist people go, oh, "I'd never buy that book. It's got hmm. that nasty word on there." Yeah. And so I just say, you know, I appreciate that, um, but I got to tell you where it came from. My dad, who's a, a rigid Baptist boy himself, was on the board at the Baptist church there in Newton for many years. Loves his church, community, and country, and served it well. He, uh, When he would catch us children, of which there are five, uh, down and despondent or uh, upset about something, he'd simply walk over and poke us in the rib and say, Hey, wait, life's short. Have fun, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. So it's great advice, and this is why I use it on my cover of my book. And if I ever get around and I'm about halfway through, I think, Another uh, follow-up to this book—it's going to be called "Have More Fun." Damn it! <laughs> Why not? And um, please say the book came out four months ago, and I'm just now in a position to order my third shipment. And we're going to go to Europe and do a little bit of a book showing. And I am told that Southern writers are well welcomed in places like uh, Rome and. Barcelona and Paris, and I know we are in London because my book is already at Daunt Books, D-A-U-N-T. Uh-huh. It happens to be, I am told, the oldest continually operating bookstore in the West. So you came to this
0: writing uh, hobby or new profession perhaps late in life, and what, what sort of got you going? I see that when you moved back to Mississippi, you affiliated with the Mississippi Literary Guild, and then
1: from there you begin to think about or to, or to put this book together, right? When you spend days on end caregiving, and there are folks listening right now that know exactly what I mean, it, uh, it's a challenge, and you need something to do. Dad takes a lot of naps. We've got seven clocks in the old house. Three of them don't even work. The others aren't on the right time anyway. So, you (laughs) you know, you're kind of lost in a shuffle of time. So I started writing out uh, passages of experiences with the dog and dad. And Brian comes over, my son, who happens to be a Down syndrome man uh, and an exceptional human being. He comes to be with Dad, and he and Dad have bonded. They're kind of connected at the hips emotionally and have a lot of fun together. Um, we we really worry more about the dog passing because hmm. he's 16 dog years, and uh, that puts him close to 100, actually, a little older than Dad, I think, if, you, if the vets are right. So... I don't know how dad would ever take that. But I started writing a couple of hundred words a day. You're an exceptional writer. You wrote in media. You know you have to consolidate words in order to get a thought across if you're doing a radio or TV script or a commercial. The old uh,
0: 30-second commercial? The
1: old 30-second commercial. I've written a billion of them, I'm sure, uh, in in all kinds of sized towns and places and for all kinds of businesses and everything. So I think it helped me. Mm -hmm. But I also learned to write love notes when I was in the fourth grade. (laughs) I got caught (laughs) But you wrote your first story when you were five or six years old. My dad and mom would farm us out during the summers to grandparents. I don't know if people do that like they used to. Well, I'm a grandfather, so I hope so. Well, you know, the kids are so darn busy nowadays. Yeah. It's hard to get them uh, away from horse uh, train, horse riding and uh, gymnastics and baseball or soccer or whatever and just hang out with them. Well, my granddaddy took me to the races, a horse race up in – Tate County, Mississippi, when I was about five years old, six years old, and I had never imagined anything like that, Hmm. that exciting and all. And I went home and sat down and wrote a, a letter to my mother and dad and tried to illustrate what happened at a horse race. And my mother saved that for me, and I still have it. So I wrote at a really, really young age, but then I took another 50 years off. (laughs) <laughs> it took you a while to get back to it I did but have You need I to mention... take your
0: own advice on
1: this discipline And write more words know, every day I <laughs> know, I know It's the hardest thing in the world for writers to do But it's very important
0: Now the style, I called it short stories uh, A lot of people call it self-help It's certainly humorous uh, And it's uh, autobiographical It's a memoir of sorts It is It's a lot of a lot packed
1: into this little, small book. Damn it! It's uh, forty-four thousand words. It sounds like a lengthy book, but I have friends that claim they've read it in in a day's sitting. So it's an easy read. It's not something that requires a whole lot of concentration. There may be a few words that some of my best buddies have to look up in a dictionary. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's 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 been a joy for me to introduce it to people. And while I'm plugging it, let me plug my website. Please w- do. www.havefundammit.com. Dammit with two M's and one T. And, uh, but I also acquired the other variations of that word. So if you type in a D-A-M-N, it'll still, it'll still take you there. You can go over there and look at the website. Be sure and uh, take your cursor and post it on the pictures of the cartoon illustrative people. On the front and see what happens. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's it's movie pictures. It's now, fun.
0: This is self-published, right? It is one hundred percent. You did it all. You you did hire an, an
1: editor, right? Well. Um, yes, I did. I got very lucky. I ran into Mike McCall, who who has made a uh, a very comfortable amount of money writing a book on catfish. You've had him on. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, how, how do you make a living writing books on catfish? And he does a, a, a monthly publication about catfish. And I said, Mike, how do you do it? And he said, I have a good editor. Mm. And I said, who is he? And she said, he said, it's a she. She's Nancy K. Westman in Jackson, and you will not be disappointed. So I called her up, and she worked me into her busy work schedule. And next thing I know, we've taken 71,000 words and f- shaped it into about half that length. And a highly readable document. I even like to reread it myself.
0: <laughs> well, and uh, That's scary. In a short while, I'm going to ask you to actually read um, a passage from it sure uh but before that let's talk a little bit about your mom and your dad uh people who are extremely important in your life your son your yorkie talk about the your 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 people that you write about and that you have spent your entire life with
1: my my dad uh, was a peerless man uh a gracious man a man of humor and of God who um uh, took a uh, took himself into the uh, back then it was the Army Air Force. Yeah,
0: my dad was in the Army Air Force. Was he really?
1: Mm-hmm. They went to uh, Europe and did some pretty good work there. Although yeah. my dad claims that he really won the war, <laughs> pretty much without. My dad claimed your dad's a lot, help. but he never claimed <laughs> that he won the war. <laughs> we have a story in the book about him and his uh, good buddy Sammy Fellman. Sammy Feldman was a department store guy and and dad was the eye doctor, and they ran around for years and years together in Newton, and they they are what I would kind of try to communicate as two people who formed the bookends of both of our families and centered us on the shelf and sort of helped us position ourselves for where we belong in life. I think we're all books walking around, Malcolm. Might be. When is you, When is your book coming out?
0: Well, I've already got... I've actually published two. I've got a book of photography, and then I wrote a little book about Howl and Mouse. Uh, oh, i
1: got to get a copy that. Yeah, i got to get
0: you a copy of that. Now, um, you, you spoke about the Felman family in Newton. We had a Felman family in Boonville who owned the uh, department store. And uh, one of the... Uh, Relatives of the Fellmans was a guy named Rubenstein, Michael Rubenstein, the oh. great sportscaster, who was a great friend of Mike McCall's. Oh yeah, but uh, he he was his family were merchants in Boonville, and I guess it was the same sort of relationship. These these small towns where the uh, the Jew merchants would come in, Jewish merchants would come in and set up shop, and
1: God, what color they brought to our community! Oh yeah, you talked to people up in the Delta and the importance of uh, and Malcolm, you. uh, know more about this than I do. I mean, I've been absent for 50 years. But the Delta is its own place. I mean, it's so unique in terms of diversity and people. My friend uh, who went to school up there said, have you ever wondered why so many great people accomplished, great things came out of the Delta? And I said, no. And he said, well, let me tell <laughs> Never you. Never have. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I, I got to tell you the story. He said, after the World War, the rich families in the Delta said, how are we going to educate our kids? Uh, and, and so they went to Europe and they hired all the professors that, that worked in Germany and Switzerland, and some of them were misplaced people, hmm. in Hungary and Russia. And they said, "Come live in the Mississippi Delta, Lebanese. Come live in right. the Mississippi Delta and uh, be a part of of our uh, school system." And uh, you know, some of these kids went to school up there with uh, college props. Dad are very, very bright, and brilliant people. Hmm. And those people are still up there and still teaching. And their families. Generationally,
0: there, right. yeah. All right, we're going to take a short break here. We're talking to Bob May. Bob uh, has written a book called Have Fun, Damn It, uh, a book of uh, humor and uh, conversations about his family and his, his kids and his pets and uh, what it's like to be a caregiver. This is an MBB Think Radio podcast no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Malcolm White, I'm your host today along with Bob May. Bob May has uh, just recently written and self-published a book called Have Fun, Damn It. And it is a, a book about caregiving and about family and about growing up in Mississippi and all sorts of other fun stuff. Uh, now, there's a story in this book. Uh, I haven't read them all yet, but I did kind of thumb through and read three or four of them uh, to get a flavor for your writing. I love it. Thank Because you. it's humorous and it's concise uh, and, it, and it hits the nail on the head uh, every time. It's really well written, written and I would recommend to our readers no, we're going to recommend our readers, we're going to recommend to our listeners that they become readers of Bob May. Now, in your book, you have a story entitled, Telemarketers Can Make You Cry. And I wondered if
1: you would read a bit, read that one to us or a bit of it. it. It's my pleasure to share this with your massive audience. Matt. Massive I indeed. appreciate that. Phone solicitors can make you cry. This is, uh, I think, chapter 27 in my little book. Mom died six years ago when she was 88. I I cried a bit around the time she passed, but I hold off on showing my feelings when folks go on about her. I like to think I'm being strong for my dad. He's now 95, and also being that I think I'm so macho. (laughs) The other night was different. The house phone jangled shortly after dinner, and I chanced to be next to it, so I made a mistake picking it up. We've all done that. A small feminine voice came dancing down the line. Hi, she sparkled. This is Casey with Southern Arkansas University. May I speak with Chloe Tucker-May? Hmm, I murmured. <laughs> She's not here. I, I guess I should tell you that, that mom passed away. This is her oldest son. Oh, I'm so sorry to bother you. We call to update our files periodically. I'm sad to hear of your loss, Casey's said. I believe she has a picture of your school hanging on the wall here at the house. It's been here for many years. She enjoyed her schooling with you, I volunteered. Do you mind telling me about your mother? And that's when the fabric-like curtain around my old heart started unraveling. Oh, okay, I ventured. She lived to be 88. She and Dad were married 65 years. That's awesome. But what kind of a person was she? Hmm. She was an extraordinary woman who lived an ordinary life in an ordinary small southern town. She raised three little girls who are now three exceptional women. They were so much like their mom, I wish I could tell, write, or talk well enough to explain how special they came to be to me. She raised my little brother and me. Neither one of us served a single day in prison, so I I guess she did all, all right by us, too. Most of all, she took care of our dad, who isn't always someone easy to take care of. He's kind of set in his ways. The good news is that most of his ways are how Mom trained him to be. He's nurturing, kind, very fun to be around, a great example for his children and grandchildren to follow. By the way, Mom was, among other things, a great cook. She has her own cookbook out, you know. I use it a lot myself. I could talk a lot about how special Mom was, but I bet you have other people to call. Well, I do, Casey said, but I want to thank you for telling me about her. I'd like to be more like someone like her, myself. You should do that, I said. The world would be a better place for it. And then we hung up, and I walked out on the back deck. I had myself a very good cry.
0: Ah, That's great. That's great. Even the telemarketer knows about Bob's new book. Yep. (laughs) So you worked in the radio business for a long time. Uh, Now, did you work in in Mississippi much, or was it always in other larger cities? Well,
1: you you and I were scholars together down at USM. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Around the same time, and and, uh, I worked on WXXX in Hattiesburg, rock and roll radio. About the time the Stones did the songs, right. and you, you've been playing on your show, um, and and uh, I fell completely head and heels over love with the idea of getting paid to play rock and roll music. I ended up playing country and gospel and classical and blue bluegrass, and I learned a lot about music doing that. And moved around from town to town, lived in Dallas and New York and Chicago and. Spent a spell in Little Rock and New Orleans, and um, came back home after fifty-five years of doing that. You know, not much has changed, mm. except me. <laughs> <laughs> now you—you you had a radio—you so, had a radio show in New Orleans, about, uh, a
0: food show, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. It was fattening. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I have a food show. I know. And so I'm curious about yours.
1: Well, uh, I had an opportunity uh, to get to know uh, a couple of people in the hospitality industry. My partner and I had interest in a couple of radio stations in New Orleans, so I would go there not just to work at the radio stations but to eat, drink, and be merry right. and have fun, damn it. And uh, um, when I retired and came home, to take care of dad after my mom died in 1988 my partner taught me into going to new orleans for a couple of days a week to um administer the radio station it was a couple of hispanic hispanic formatted radio stations they did very well Mm -hmm. Uh, but i didn't speak spanish uh i finally ended up learning to know what the you know the negative words were that people were saying about me. Right. But (laughs) otherwise, you were not conversational. (laughs) But marketing radio and getting uh, an audience developed is all about research and music and, and, you know, the ropes. And then teaching people how to write good commercials that mean something to the audience. And you can do that in any language. Uh, Just focus in on the three or four things you want people to remember well so we we built those radio stations up, and in the meanwhile, a friend of mine that ran another station, an English station, said, "I need somebody to fill in noons on Saturdays. What are you doing, and can you do a food show and i didn't no clue, but I do know how to invite people to come be guests mm. and uh So, I started talking to the chefs, and of which New Orleans has a rich arsenal of oh, people and and they're fun people and they love what they do and they're passionate about it and boy and i would get them to bring the music they liked and i, I cuz i think somewhere in our world there's a correlation between all the arts and food which reminds me i got a question for you yeah how come mississippi per capita produces more quality artists in all the different art Categories, you're head of the Mississippi Arts Commission. I am. Explain it. <laughs> well, uh, people who are a lot smarter than me talk about
0: the struggle and um, the the long uh, history of storytelling. Uh, we we are I call Mississippi 2.9 million great storytellers, and everybody I know wow. can can weave a nice yarn and is a fabulous storyteller. And great storytellers can communicate through music, they can communicate through film, they can communicate um, through theater, they can communicate through uh, creative writing, through poetry. And, and I think just the uniqueness of Mississippi's struggle and, and kind of our uh, place in the sun, our uniqueness, our curiosity, uh, and this long, long history of, of storytelling, going back to the West Africans, going back to the Scotch-Irish and the Italians and all of the immigrants. I think we've somehow managed to connect uh, all of our history with this, this great ability to sit on the front porch and tell a story that ultimately became songs and theater and
1: movies and and creative literature. That's what I think. Do you worry about that? that ability to tell those stories that may be dissipating going away.
0: I don't um I, I never think that we're running low. Uh, I okay. think I, I think that we continue to be creative and uh romantic and uh engaged. I I think it's a, an endless uh reservoir of creativity that comes out of this what my friend Willie Morris used to call a strange and beguiling place called Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> so, Boy, no,
1: I think we're in good shape. I bet you miss him. I do. I yeah. do. I miss Everybody I, I've known that knew him. So, what, is, what was the name of your food show or is the name of the it's show? It's called Radio Party. Radio Party. And you can go, it's still on the internet, Radio party. There's a hmm. bunch of episodes, you can talk to a lot of people. And, uh, Do you we, get a lot of free food out of that? Uh, look at me. <laughs> I have a body for radio now. <laughs> oh,
0: that's good. Yeah. So talk about writing, and I guess you, you're still uh, involved in other things, certainly caregiving, uh, family affairs, uh, but now you're really dedicated to this this writing business, and uh, you have a discipline, you have a philosophy, you have steps. You've really thought through how to do this thing. So well, uh, you've been
1: studying on it for a while, have you? We opened with a com- with a comment you made about a membership in the Mississippi Literary Guild. Yep, and, and what a great group of people! Uh, Susan Marquez, yeah, uh,
0: is, great, is, great. Uh, Grant recipient of the Mississippi Arts Commission, well, we have long that. funded the Guild, and we are dedicated to their work. And we think they do magnificent work. They do, they do. Diane Williams, who long was the Grants director, sweet lady, yeah, uh, at uh, the Mississippi Arts Commission, who has a new book that's coming out, I think, in a couple of weeks on BB King.
1: Oh, uh, I heard, she, I heard about that. Yeah. I talked to her about it at the uh, Grammy uh, Museum up in Cleveland recently. Where we all gathered for the Mississippi Literary Convention, and Trisha conference. Walker, Trisha Walker, uh, entertained yeah. and sang some of her songs. Boy, and... was well, she was she's wonderful. She's she taught us how to write songs. I think I'm going to write a hit record. You may just move straight out you... of, <laughs> of of creative writing into uh, songwriting. I would love to be able to do that. I mean, you know, you think of the importance of music in our life, and, oh my and, and Mississippi's contribution to all forms of music and. And, and how emotionally uh, we, we, are, uh, we are put together by the favorite songs we have. I read the other day, I think on the internet, somebody said, you know, you fell in love to one song when you were 14 years old. That type of song is probably going to be your favorite type of music the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. People...
1: So, People's? And I was in the jingle business in Texas for a while. Were you? Yeah, you know, ad songs were are still in, and were certainly imported over the past uh, uh, several decades in media to communicate uh, a memorable message, mm-hmm. you know, all the jingle songs. and all I've
0: really that. gotten interested in this campaign that uh, Rocket Loans currently has, and not that I know anything about Rocket Loans or care, but they're using a Bob Dylan song called The Man in Me.
1: Now, and every
0: time that song comes on, it,
1: it grabs and, and, me. And, and, and there's, a, there's a hundred other examples, none of which I can think of right now. But if you're watching TV during a football game or any other quality program, you're going to hear the, the familiar lilt of a rock and roll star ranging from the Rolling Stones. And this is because they've released their music out to other people who own the rights, and they're the ones that are selling it. Sure, sure. I'm not sure I like it completely, but it's, uh, hey, it's, it's a
0: capitalism. Record. I don't know about you, but no one got in touch with me to see what I thought
1: about anything that. Anything Bob Dylan, i tell you what a nutcase I am or was <laughs> about Bob Dylan in high school. My buddies and I sneaked off from Newton, Mississippi, in an old Corvair, and we drove to Hibbing, Minnesota. In the dead of winter, and walk through his dad's appliance store. Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zimmer, Zimmerman Appliance. That's that's dedication, my friend. I'm telling you, I was a big, and I went to see him and Joan Baez in Fayette, Mississippi, when do, they did do, a civil rights the, thing the, back in the freedom day. Freedom rider stuff, yep, yep, yeah, yep, yep. And my parents, uh, you know, didn't know. So now they know. Dad, you're listening. <laughs>
0: you
1: know what happened? I'm sorry.
0: What about some advice uh, for people who think that they want to jump in this, this uh, arena of writing? Give us, you shared some great advice when I asked you about this. Give me the advice you would give beginners who are nervous.
1: Well, I, uh, uh, what I've read here recently, and I can't quote the source, but some, somebody wrote it and said about 80, 80% of all people have a book in them they want to write a book they claim they want to write a book but only about one percent of people actually end up doing that but we all walk around We're we're all we all have our stories malcolm right kevin you got a story and you know it, and there's people that need and want to hear your story um pat conroy's one of my top favorite guys and i got to see him before he died in a in a, in a literary thing and he stood up and he said there are Four most important words in the human human language are these. Tell me a story. Right. And uh, not only do we want to tell our stories, but we want to hear other people's stories. Getting close to a break here. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit about maybe... Her, what, what the philosophy of Pat Conroy was and sure. the one, two, three-step stuff I learned from him.
0: Yeah, we'll come back uh, after this break and we'll talk more about the creative process and how you evolved from a, a radio exec into uh, a published writer. I think uh, our listeners are very interested in that. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Malcolm White here with you on this Sunday afternoon in the studio with my buddy Bob May. Bob May is a a professional radio man uh, who gave all that up some time ago, moved back home to Mississippi to take care of folks. And he's written a book called Have Fun, Damn It. And uh, how would you sum up the book if, when people say I need the, the elevator speech? Tell me about your book.
1: Um, Malcolm, I, I believe essentially it is a book about finding joy in simple, simple matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I've grown older, I've witnessed friends that continue to make their lives less simple, more complicated. And they're the ones that haven't done well. Mm. I have a Down syndrome son who simplifies everything for me and my family, Uh, down to the point of uh, eliminating stress. We all have stress in our life. My son figured it out when he was very young that if you get or give seven hugs a day and let a couple of dogs lick you, That you're going to
0: have a pretty good day.
1: You'll have a good day. And if you do that every day, you'll have a bunch of great days. That's good advice. And so I I use a—it's what I call Brian's first hypothesis, and there are others that he shares with me and I share in my book, Have Fun, Damn It. It it really is a positioning of the way you look at the world Mm -hmm. and the way he looks. And many people like him who are Down syndrome, San, sound down syndrome folk uh, have a similar joyous way of looking at mm-hmm. life,
0: okay? All right. Before the break, we were you were going to share your formula, your recipe uh, uh, for, for
1: writing and okay. your uh, steps. It's pretty, pretty simple. Uh, find uh, f- five minutes, 10 minutes a day and write down 200 words. And don't worry about what the words mean yet just do it every day and if you start today then 365 days from now you'll have 71,000 words you know on your pad or paper or your computer doesn't matter you need to write all those words because a couple of magic things are going to come from it number 1 the the book you're writing will find itself the plot will develop the characters will flesh out the um beginning, middle, and end are going to be there. And all it takes at that point is for you to be able to edit or, more importantly, find somebody who's better at editing. Most writers are not. I'm included in that. So I recommend my good friend from Jackson, Mississippi, uh, who I met through Mike McCall, the Catfish Man.
0: Catfish McCall.
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, her name is Nancy K. Westman, and she is now doing magic for a variety of other people. Plus, she's an editor who's written her own book, which was a book on what happened in the Gulf Coast after
0: Katrina. Right, right. I knew
1: that. Fascinating, fascinating them, but, yeah. read. And you should, and you, should, you should guys ought to run over to Lemuria and get both our books. I was there yesterday, okay. and uh, there was a crowd around your staff. <laughs> I mean, a crowd. <laughs> well, I've had to do some great book. I've had an opportunity doing some great book signings, and... And uh, that Sundog Books down in Seaside has just been very generous with their time and let me sit on the porch and and hawk my wear to the people walking by.
0: And that's a shout out to our great Mississippi friends, Bob and Linda White, no relation to me, who left Jackson and moved down to to, uh, Seaside. And uh, actually, they started in Grayton Beach and then they moved to Seagrove, but they opened up this bookstore at Seaside called Sundog Books. Uh, Uh, named after a, uh, I believe it's a Jim
1: Harrison novel. Do they also own that cool record store on the second floor? Yes, upstairs. Let me tell you, that's the best record store I've attended in quite a while. It is great. I mean, it's
0: beautiful. So it's right there on the main drag and seaside, uh, uh, Sundog Books, Bob and Linda White. Uh, You've also done signings all around, Lemuria here in Jackson, Bay Books in Bay St. Louis, who have been very kind to me, uh, when I published my two books, you Main Street and Hattiesburg,
1: great people, terrific, yep. really do a Diane, wonderful, good. wonderful good job lady. down there. I'm going to do a book signing on December the second at uh, at uh, the Main Street Bookstore oh, great. in Hattiesburg. Great. Now, yeah. did you participate in that holiday, that big holiday signing that they have? No, no that's going to be coming up again this year okay. on December the 2nd.
0: Oh, OK. And by right. the
1: way, about every third reader of my book comes back and buys other copies as gifts so if you're thinking of a gift, if you've got somebody in your family that's caregiving or you've got somebody in your family that's special needs, most of us do now, sure. you know, uh, or, or an old ratty dog. You, <laughs> you if guys. the other two are not <laughs>
0: relatable, if you have a ratty dog.
1: <laughs> and everybody does. So this is a universal market that right. I'm after. And if you, if you do that, if you do that, if you need uh, pe- people entertained, and let me tell you, you can spend uh, uh, $20 on a decent bottle of wine easily. Mm-hmm. This is a 20, 20 to $25 book, depending on where you buy it. It'll last a long, long time, and I, right. hope, I hope you will.
0: Now, you're working on the sequel? The Are you planning on... But the uh,
1: theory is that uh, if I binge right here, I can have mm-hmm. one out by the end of the year and have a sequel. I've got a lot of people that ask me that. Hey, your, your book's too short. I want to know more stories. So uh-huh. let me Let me have another a shot at reading you so that's very gratifying my people that printed my book i call them my publisher but they they're really sophisticated printers mm-hmm. and uh but but they are uh telling me that that's the best compliment a new author can get
0: how many have you sold do, do you track it do you know how many books you've uh, sold? i've
1: just placed my third order uh well well over a thousand books good for you um in four months and, 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 and I'm not getting any Amazon or, uh-huh. or now if that is happening. We will be getting into some amassed um productivity in the Barnes and Noble chains and all that stuff and I wanna do it. But I'm really enjoying just doing self book marketing and my lady friend is sweet enough to go with me. We'll get could you just jump in the car. I do pop up book signings in bars in New Orleans. <laughs> And there's plenty of those. And let me tell you, I never run. I could never. I I could just make a living in New Orleans. And of course, everybody that sees the title have fun. Damn it! They think it's a party book. It's not. It's a book about caring for others and figuring out a way to enjoy that. That situation. There's a new book. Um about New Orleans bars, it's a photography book by Ken Murphy. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. And it is an exceptional book. Isn't and Ken it Ken Murphy is great. Now, I belong to a group called the Grand and Secret Order of the Obituary Cocktail Club. Oh, I know the book. Okay. And it's a pictorial book of the interior of great New Orleans bars, probably 50 of them. Mm-hmm. Some wise guy years ago, 30, 40 years ago, got the copy of that book, said, I'm going to take all my buddies and we're going to go to all these places. And now every Friday night at six o'clock, our chairman lets us know in a week, uh. week ahead of time where to go, and we go and gather. Now there's nothing grand or secret about it. It's, it's <laughs> just a, a good bunch title. Of, it's a bunch of people. It's all about marketing, and Bob. Then, and <laughs> then we go, and then we go out with our friends, and then wine and dine in New Orleans. It's
0: well, great, you know, because you go and do pop-ups and bars, I was thinking maybe you and Ken Murphy could make a deal, and you could go to every one of the bars in his in his book and do a pop-up.
1: You know, you're the marketing guy here, (laughs) not me. Anybody that can do a parade that a billion people show up at, I want to emulate some of that stuff. Well, I think you're
0: on the right track here. (laughs) My guest today is Bob May, and he's got a new book out called Have Fun, Damn It, and uh, it is a... Some people call it a self-help book.
1: Do you, do you get many buyers who are seeking self-help? I, I've had a couple of independent book uh, guys look it over, and, and they put it in the self-help section. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some uh, truth to that. Most of the folks have put it in into the humor. Humor, yeah. No, yeah, they put it think. into the humor. I'm in there with Lewis Grizzard and uh, uh, Dave Barry, and I'm real proud to be in the loop. But, you know, Pat Conroy is, is also uh, – uh, I've been compared a little bit to him, and that is the ultimate compliment yeah
0: that's not bad company, you know. So he was kind of one of your mentors or someone that you looked well, it's up to. Well, just I
1: always appreciated his style of writing and uh-huh. his southernisms, and uh, and the fact that he he and his family went through some very adverse Boy, situations together and came out uh, the other end, I guess, okay. Great Santini. Yeah, oh, wow. great Santini. So you're living over in Newton, Mississippi these days. I do. I spend three nights a week in Newton. Y'all come over and, and, tell, and bang on the door. Tell us about I've Newton. Pe- I actually had people come over to the house and say, I hear you got a book. Let me see it. <laughs> you know? Said, pull you over in. In.
0: They pull you over on the side of the road and say, I know you got oh, books. Oh, I got go to the
1: Piggly Wiggly, man. <laughs> it's like a celebrity deal. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Newton's a town of 3,500 people Okay, in a county of, I guess, about 20,000. It's not a quiet little place. Unfortunately, it's like a lot of other small Mississippi and southern towns, maybe towns everywhere. Small towns are dying off mm-hmm. on us. And, and it's because the kids are going off to school and not coming back home. It's not a lot of opportunity for All them right. there. We've got to figure that one out. Yeah, the brain drain's a tough
0: one. Yeah, Uh, but but you live in the old family home, right? We got a home where you grew up.
1: Dad, Dad uh, built a home back when I was a young teenager, and my other siblings were little uh, brats in diapers, and we all moved in there. and And uh, Dad and Mom spent most of the sixty five years of their marriage in that lovely home. And I am mow the yard. You know, I'm the yard man, and I cook.
0: You're the yard man in Newton, and court, but you're also court-yard the courtyard
1: man. gardener mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Use some of the same instruments to make both jobs uh, happen, and, and I love it. You know, being outdoors is just a special thing. Is gardening uh, a long time hobby, interest I, of yours? My, my dad was a great gardener, and uh-huh. he made us work in the garden, therefore we didn't like it. You know? Right, But I outgrew that. And then my lady... Uh, turnip seed. My my girlfriend in New Orleans is part of the New Orleans Garden Society, so she's into serious and flowers and orchids and uh, wow. all kinds of exotic herbs. Now everything we grow is legal so far. Yeah, I just well, that's want to good. point that out. Yeah, okay. well, that's important. May not be that way forever. We don't know.
0: So you 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 say that you have the opportunity to go back to radio, but you're not so sure you want to do
1: that. Is that right? Well, I think I've I found a way to do it without having to devote. See, if you're doing, as you know, doing a, a weekly show requires not not one hour. It, it'll tie you down. It'll tie, <laughs> it'll tie you down. And, right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're down to the end of this one, and, man, it's just been fun being with you. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for coming to Jackson and sharing uh, the good news about your work, your book, your writing, your family, the joy that uh, you have found. And tell us one more time about your website. www.havefundammit.com That's Bob May, and he is uh, a Mississippian living in Newton and in New Orleans, and he's published his first book. Have fun, damn it. And there you have it. Another hour of the Mississippi Arts Hour has come and gone. We will see you next Sunday, right here uh, on MPB Think Radio, 5 o'clock Sunday afternoons for the Mississippi Arts Hour.